If you haven't heard already, you need to check out adfreeshows.com. We've started making announcements for a brand new schedule starting in November, including a ton of new content. First of all, all of our podcasts are going to have video and we're going to splice in some fun stuff. And I'm sure the shows will get better as they go. But a lot of times we have a, well, fairly heated or hilarious interaction. And you guys have said you wanted to see my co-host facials and how they uh, get tickled or fired up, whatever the case may be. It's coming to adfreeshows.com, but a ton of new content too. For instance, one of the things we just announced this past weekend I'm so excited about is our championship belt series. We're going to go talk to the folks who made these belts, who actually originally designed the art, handcrafted them. They're going to explain exactly what that process was like. We'll discuss briefly who ordered it, what we thought it cost to order, how long it would have taken, et cetera, et cetera, the whole manufacturing process. But then you get some beautiful 4K shots of the actual ring use belts after the fact. Of course, in between, we're going to show you all the great memories and moments that happened. You'll see lots of press clippings and magazine covers and promo shots and just the story of those iconic championships. It's all coming to adfreeshows.com. I've also started a show part of my collection, including old boots and robes and things like that, and something we're calling the collection. Some fun comedy stuff that I think you're going to dig, including Mansplaining. Great friend of the show and independent wrestling superstar, Mance Warner, is going to try to explain illogical wrestling to our wives. That's right. Many of us have a wife in our life who is, uh, well, a non-fan. And we're going to have <laughs> Mance Warner try to make sense out of things like Katie Vick or the Chamber of Horrors or the Kennel in a Cell. It's going to be stupid and fun, and it's all happening at adfreeshows.com. Lots of new storytellers coming along the way as well. We're doing a Monday mailbag feature with veterans of the game, like Jerry Briscoe. Mike. They were there for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the World Wrestling Federation. And, of course, Jerry was a wrestler himself and had ownership in Florida and Georgia. And now you get to pick their brain every single week at adfreeshows.com. One of my favorite shows I'm looking forward to, well, it's Dr. Tom's X-Ray. Maybe you have a favorite match, but why was it your favorite match? We're going to watch those old matches with him, and he's going to break it down, almost like Jod Gruden did his quarterback camp on ESPN for so many years. Well, this is the wrestling equivalent of that. We've even got a happy hour happening every Sunday night. You either get to chat with Medusa or Rebel live on Zoom, pick their brain, talk about wrestling, talk about life, and have a little fun. Of course, we've got comedians along the way to make sure that we're entertaining you. There's so much great stuff coming your way, including brand new opportunities on how you can win lots of prizes. We're doing fun games like mystery opponent, caption it, or name that theme parts unknown, the time limit draw in this quarter, create a gimmick. We're going to be giving away cool prizes every single day over at adfreeshows.com, including once in a lifetime experiences. We're going to line it up where you get a chance. That's right. You get a chance to go to breakfast with Tony and Jr. and then attend an AEW event in person going to be a once in a lifetime experience you want to talk about experiences we've got a saturday morning cartoon thing coming your way that's going to knock your socks off we've also got wrestling comedy theater with friend of the show cassio kid did i mention we're getting a hotline yeah there's going to be a hotline coming soon so new columns will be there too we've even got a cooking show that we're excited to tell you about called the getting heat cooking show of course you get all of the great ask series i think i just finished ask conrad volume 16 get to pick our brain about literally whatever you want but the big announcement that's coming soon it's our conversation series i don't want to give you a spoiler just yet 
but this is what you've been waiting for. It's going to be so much fun. We haven't even announced it all yet. There is so much great stuff happening over at adfreeshows.com. If you haven't already, check it out and be sure to tune in this Friday. We're doing an exclusive Zoom. It's Hallow's Eve Havoc. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Myself, Tony Schiavone, of course, Eric Bischoff, and more all there chatting with you live and in costume. Yes, we're really doing it. It's Hallow's Eve Havoc, and it's happening at adfreeshows.com. I hope you'll check it out. You get all of our shows and our archives early and ad-free, but there's so much new exclusive content, it's worth another look. Go check out our reviews right now at isadfreeforme.com. We've even been told this is the best value in wrestling. Find out what everybody's talking about and come join in on the fun today. Join us for Hallow's Eve Havoc at adfreeshows.com. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 3198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven Singer.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Orn. Of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, the Enforcer, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Uh, doing excellent. Doing excellent. Sitting here, staring out my window at all the neighbors walking their dogs and just walking, period. And beautiful morning. Everybody's out getting some exercise and, uh, getting ready to head into the winter and into the abyss as we know so keep a positive attitude keep doing all the things wear your mask social distancing do something nice for somebody every day makes you feel good how about that i like that we're getting like this uh i don't know higher level thinking version of marty lundy here on the show i don't even know i'm ready for you to like put on the black hat and spine bust the shit out of everybody and instead you got little, uh, peace and love messages this morning. Well, you know, when you get older, you figure out the real things that matter to you. You know, uh, I learned that being on the road year after year and missing every single event that your kids have growing up that just sitting at the kitchen table, having dinner every night, which is the highlight of, 
of our lives, but we're getting to be together and have dinner together. And that's something that never happened before. So very grateful for that. And, uh, it's a blessing in disguise. Well, the other blessing in disguise is that we're back covering more WWE from 2015. This is, uh, really fun for me because I don't talk about the more modern era of wrestling on any of my other shows. So to talk about something from 2015, believe it or not, is a real treat. It's a real change of pace for me. And today we're going to be covering hell in a cell 2015. It went down October 25th at the Staples center in Los Angeles, California, with 17,505 fans there. It's a legitimate sellout turn away crowd. It's the seventh hell in a cell event. Uh, the first, uh, pay-per-view other than SummerSlam to be held in Los Angeles since no way out 2007, you know, I've always been curious whenever the company sets up residency, so to speak, it feels like for a long time, SummerSlam was in LA every year. And then of course it moved back over to Brooklyn. We don't talk a lot on this show though, about Los Angeles as a wrestling town. Do you think it's a wrestling town or is it just a a top five market for the country. And therefore there's a lot of bodies there. Well, and it's an entertainment capital and all forms of entertainment are constantly putting their best foot forward in LA. And so, you know, why wouldn't WWE, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those deals that people will come out that aren't necessarily hardcore wrestling fans, but they're entertainment fans. And it's, uh, as we know, the quality of the product, you know, just wrestling in general will, will generate fans that even if they're first time viewers, they want to come out and see what all the hoopla is about. And I think LA is for SummerSlam all those years. It was just when we would go down to, to the beach and shoot footage of the talent down there, having a good time and going to gold's gym and, and all the things that you do in LA, it was, uh, it was just a perfect setting. And, uh, LA is just an entertainment, entertaining town and, and a, a town that wants to be entertained. Well, they're ready to be entertained here. This is, um, the last, I guess, 2015 was actually the last hell in a cell before the reintroduction of the brand extension, which happened in July, 2016. So the next two years of the event will be show specific, but tonight's show is a super card by any definition. We've got Roman Reigns taking on Bray Wyatt. We've got new day working with the returning Dudleys. John Cena's open challenge for the United States championship, Charlotte flair working with Nikki Bella. And of course the main event. Brock versus the undertaker in a hell in a cell, man, just looking at the lineup here, this is about as stacked of a card as you could have possibly had in 2015, right? Yeah. And not a lot of fluff on it. You know, everything was pretty much had a direction and, and was built, you know, the matches were built and uh, it feels pretty stout. Just, just hearing it, hearing you read through it. Well, it's going to be a fun time talking about the show, but before we do there, let's talk about some news and notes as we head into the event. There's a media event on October 27th, where the UFC star Ronda Rousey said that her goal was to retire as UFC champion and then try to win a world title in boxing, a world title in jujitsu, and then the WWE divas title. And of course we know she's going to wind up skipping all of that, going straight to the WWE. It worked out. Okay. When you first saw or heard, Hey, Ronda Rousey has even a passing interest 
and becoming part of our business and working in our industry, you had to know, Hey, that's going to be a shot in the arm. Cause she is major box office and a legitimate draw in her other field. When you are the face of the UFC or fighting in general as a female, that is huge. And that's not disrespecting males, females, anybody else. The fact is there are some real bad apples in that UFC. And, uh, even the guys just getting started and the ladies for that matter, you know, first tier fighters, once they get settled in and every day they're going to the gym and beating the piss out of each other, they're assassins, every one of them. Now you put a, somebody like Ronda Rousey, who is at the very top of her game, you know, and you let her go out there and cut, turn her loose, man, she creamed everybody. Uh, and she just became the face of it, of, uh, you know, the UFC and fighting in general and MMA and God almighty, I was, I was thrilled. And then when I found out, you know, that she was a huge wrestling fan and, and a horseman fan, I mean, it made me bow my chest out. That's for sure. Somebody else who's bowed up a little bit is Dwayne Johnson. He's got a new endorsement deal that's announced in this era. This time it's with under armor and, uh, it's kind of a big deal because that's not the only thing he's got going his way. He just got the news that San Andreas was Warner brothers, biggest grossing movie of 2015, pulling in $475 million worldwide. And he notes that unlike some of his other blockbusters, this wasn't a franchise movie or based on a book or a theme park. This is a, another banner year for the rock. And it feels like the hits keep coming you know, let's switch gears a little bit since we're talking about the rock. Were you surprised that the XFL fell into his hands? I'm not sure how to read that. If it was, uh, if rocks aspiration at one time and truly was to play pro football and he just pulled up a little bit short. And I think his destiny pointed him in the right direction as far as wrestling. Uh, I mean, it's in his veins, it's in his heritage, it's in his, you know, it's in his blood. Uh, but I think if that was his goal to play pro football, then this is another way to enjoy it. Uh, certainly from the box and I'm sure it'll be a luxury box, uh, and, and complete, you know, check that box in life, you know, get, just get to be around pro football and, you know, and enjoy it. I think he'll be good if, if it's possible to have a second league, he'll probably figure out a way to make it work. All right. So listen up. Everybody knows how important today is. You've heard everybody for months now remind you that today's the day to vote, but I've got a different reminder for you. Today is the day to block the best interest rate you've ever had on your home loan. We don't know exactly what tomorrow is going to look like, how the markets will respond to whatever happens today, but I encourage you to lock in the best rate you ever had right now while we've still got it. There's simply no guarantee that these rates are going to hold. We've been told for months now by the experts that we're on borrowed time with these rates. And when I say these rates, I mean the historically low rates. I've been doing mortgages since August of 2001. 
I've never been able to offer some of the rates that I'm able to offer right now. Will I have them tomorrow? Probably not. That's what all the experts are expecting, that there will be a lot of uncertainty in the market. And how many times have we heard this? Oh, these uncertain times. What you don't want to do is risk your single biggest investment, your house. If you have a once in a lifetime opportunity, and this could be your last chance to take your 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time with roughly the same monthly payment, why wouldn't you do this? We routinely help our podcast listeners save 60, 70, 80, even more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of unnecessary interest. And it's not too late, but you need to hurry. Do it today. Check it out. Get a quick quote at savewithconrad.com right now. And then as soon as you can, and today, lock an interest rate, lock in the best rate you ever had. Can't guarantee that these rates will be there, but I know one thing we've got them today. Make the most of it. Make today count. Save as much money as you can for your family. Don't just give it away to these banks. Go to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention this is no cost, no obligation? If we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. So why not give yourself the peace of mind of knowing you've got the best deal possible for your family? And yes, we're licensed in more than 40 states at savewithconrad.com. Who could forget? Skip your next two house payments. That's right. No payments until next year at savewithconrad.com. Let's talk about some other news and notes heading in here. Uh, Paige is actually going to appear on the Conan O'Brien show on October 22nd. And the funny part of this appearance to me is the company WWE never plugs it on TV and she's on there to promote hell in a cell, but it's a show where she doesn't even have a match. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we know that the whole fighting with my family movie is going to become a thing, but you would think, I mean, for years and years, whenever you had one of your talent, make an appearance on a late night show, that's going to be pretty big news for the company to get a mainstream rub. But of all the people to send, would you really send somebody not on the show to promote the show? Is this just a fumble from the PR department? You think? Well, if I can't think of a reason that it was her, no disrespect to her, you can't think of a reason that it was her. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Does it? Right. It, it feels like somebody woke up the day of the show and went, you know, uh, oh yeah, by the way, we need somebody for Conan, uh, send Paige. She's not doing anything. Everything should have been driving that show should have been Nikki Bella, or it should have been Charlotte. If you're going to go that route. Right. I mean, just doesn't make, and nothing else makes any sense. Let's talk about something that does make sense. Uh, Jerry Lawler is going to do an interview at a comic con appearance. And he says, there's a good possibility of SmackDown going live in January when it goes to the USA network. And Meltzer would say there's at least been talk of starting out with a live special. And there's even been talk of the show moving to Tuesday and going live. It would increase costs somewhat according to the observer. And that kind of makes sense. He says live on Thursday wouldn't make as much sense as it would be a huge cost increase. Plus plus be somewhat worse for talent. The office would have to fly out to a new city twice a week instead of once. And, uh, that's why if it does go live Tuesday would seem to work best. If you look at live versus taped numbers for raw, the few times a year it is taped the occasional live SmackDown specials, not to mention the live TNA shows and the ratings never show a difference. I'm curious what your take on that is. Uh, and I want to talk about it, I guess, from two different angles. 
one, I think a lot of folks listening to this maybe don't understand how grueling the schedule was for the company back then. Of course, in the pandemic era, things are a lot different, but I think the typical idea would be you would, uh, get home on Wednesday and then you'd be home, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday night, but then you're out somewhere working a show on Friday, a house show, and you'll work another house show Saturday, another house show Sunday. Then you've got a live raw, then you've got a live SmackDown, but at least you've got two days at home as crazy as that sounds versus maybe the other way. If they had kept it on a Thursday, the talent would fly home on a Tuesday. They'd be home Tuesday night and maybe Wednesday night, but then back on the road on Thursday, it just feels like almost everyone. I t- and there's two tours here, by the way, there's the, the red crew and the blue crew. I don't know that the travel piece and how moving the trucks around and buying new flights for everyone. It made a lot of sense to go back to back on your, on your production days. Did it not Monday, Tuesday? It's the only thing that makes any sense. You cannot send guys. Uh, the, the only way that their schedule, the way they have it is you have to tape SmackDown on Tuesday. You just have to, and then you got to give guys Wednesday and Thursday off. It's the only thing that works. So you start pulling. Now think about this. You start pulling all those production people, you know, back out to get them. They would have to go right back out on the Wednesday night to be there for Thursday. You know, you have to go in a day early and they're coming from all over the earth, you know, to get there. It's just, it's a logistics nightmare. If you don't go take Wednesday and Thursday off, it just is. The other thing I want to mention is the attitude here that Dave says it doesn't really make a difference live versus tape as far as ratings. And I'm sure he's got that supported by all kinds of data. And maybe you weren't keeping those same kinds of records, but you know, the audience, you know, the feel, you know, the show, do you think live versus taped makes a big difference? Cause I got to tell you during the pandemic era, and I can only really probably, well, yeah, there's been some WWE shows taped, but when I was watching AEW and it was taped, it didn't affect my enjoyment at all, but it does feel like for whatever reason, certainly with crowds, I get that's different that live is really always the preference. And I think it might even be the preference for Tony Khan. Why do you think that is that it, does live versus tape matter in your opinion? Well, I mean, if it's a, a live to tape show, it's going to come across as just being live. If you got an audience in there and you're, they're reacting to everything. And as long as you're not chopping that show up so that the people that saw it live, then they see it when it airs and they go, well, I never saw that happen. You know, that's not that big a deal to me. I don't think live to tape versus live, you know, and, and it'll clean up some of the little glitches that you need to clean up that way. Here's the one issue in the era of social media. When you do a tape show, there are people that are sitting there tweeting about what's, what's going on on the tape show. So all the secrets get let out of the bag then it becomes a little bit of an issue as far as people ruin it for themselves. When they start tweeting out, you know, the finishes and angles and all that stuff that happened before the fact, because it's a tape show, you, it loses a little bit of its luster. Right. 
Well, let's keep it going here. Let's talk about another piece of news that makes the rounds. Uh, WWE is going to sign William Shatner to narrate breaking ground. It's 10 episode documentary. That's going to start airing on raw on or right after all on Monday nights on October 26th. And Meltzer would say the show is patterned after hard knocks, the very popular reality show on HBO about the NFL. They're offering the first episode for free on both their Facebook and YouTube pages, which makes a lot of sense to do using the episode to try and push people to subscribe to the network for the remaining episodes. The show will focus on the training and background of talent in NXT, trying to get to NXT television and those on NXT, trying to get to the main roster. WWE and Kevin Dunn are producing the show along with three ball entertainment, which is the company that does bar rescue, catch a contractor, sweat, Inc, etc., on spike TV. And of course, uh, extreme weight loss on ABC. Shatner had a long running history of being involved in the WWE. Who in the, in the office is a big fan of Mr. Shatner or how does it just feels like a weird association to have? I don't know. Uh, I really don't, I don't know what the deal is, you know, but he's such a pleasant guy and a nice man. And you know, the Trekkies, he was, he's a huge star in that, you know, I don't know how many of those people transfer over to being wrestling fans that I don't know, but I think he would be regarded as an A-list star. And, you know, we were always struggling to get stars on the show for whatever reason, whether it be B or, or C class, you know, they were all welcome. Uh, but I think, uh, William Shatner would be someone that would be an A-lister. So that would be the coup for the company. I'm not sure who had the relationship with him. What about the, uh, the breaking ground series? Did you see any of that? You know, I, I've got to be honest with you again, priorities in those days, pounding sure. the roads, pounding the airports. I never saw a one of them. Um, let's talk about something else that makes the news and notes before we get out of here uh, and get on the show. The reports, uh, this is all from the observer reports that the first shot episode of the NXT kids pilot show that we wrote about last week was surprisingly good. Basically it's remixed NXT matches with Corey Graves as a babyface announcer working with two 12 year olds who were clearly not scripted and are weirdly entertaining going off on different trains of thoughts while watching the matches. For example, while watching one of the women's from Australia wrestle, the kids start calling the woman kangaroo woman. And the kids and graves go off on a tangent about kangaroos. They're also having the kids do interviews and graves is said to have done a real good job of holding the 30 minute show together. I got to tell you, I, I, I see how that could be entertaining for adults, but certainly fun for kids. And I think Corey graves was probably the right guy for it. I wanted to put this in my news and notes here because I, I don't think, and maybe I'm alone in this. I think Corey Graves is one of the very best announcers in the game right now. And I don't know that enough people really talk about it, but he obviously has the in-ring background. He has a cool look. It feels like he's, uh, inside baseball enough and, and up on his stuff to where quote unquote smart fans can enjoy his work. But even if you're a casual fan, you could be into it. And somehow he checks Vince's boxes and it feels like maybe years past. He would not have gone for someone with a unique look like Corey. He wanted more of a, an evening news type look on a guy like a Michael Cole, no disrespect to Michael, but you know what I mean? A more conventional look. 
what do you think of uh, Corey's performance and how he does these days as an announcer for the company? Well, I don't know these days because I don't watch. To be honest with you, um, but I know it brought a different element, a younger element. You know, I, you know, just his appearance alone made you, you know, pay attention. Um, and he appealed to a younger crowd. And I think you have to have a, a mix of of different announcers that cover and check different boxes, just like you have talent. And Corey was a guy that, you know, was opinionated. I don't know how much of those opinions were his own and those projected for him to have, but, uh, you know, I think he, he, he's, uh, he fits in with that younger demographic and you're always wanting to grab that. That's for sure. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. They can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The trains can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Let's, uh, let's talk about the show itself. It feels like everybody loved this one, the readers of The Observer included. They gave it uh, 89.2% thumbs up, zero votes for thumbs down, 10.8% votes in the middle. Pretty interesting to, to look back at a show five years ago and nobody had a thumbs down. Uh, another thing that made the notes here is that security from the event were removing any young buck sign they could find. Of course, in this era, the young bucks are starting to gain some real momentum they're selling a ton of merch. They've become a major draw for not only new Japan, but ring of honor. And of course, any independent, and this is their stomping grounds here. You know, they're both from that, that part of the world in California and pro wrestling gorilla helped really spread the word of what they were doing, but this is not news, right? For years and years, you guys, well, not just you guys, but all wrestling companies have had a little bit of, uh, a situation to handle with fans bringing signs that weren't exactly pushing the product. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I could never understand, you know, it, to me, it wasn't that big a deal jerking a sign, leaving a sign out there, Who cares? you know? Yeah. And the, by and large, you know, there was decades that went by that the company didn't even recognize other wrestlers or other wrestling companies. They just didn't acknowledge it no matter what you saw or what signs or whatever it was, uh, it just kind of, uh, I could never figure out how that in America can even be legal to go snatch someone's sign that doesn't have profanity. It's not lewd. It's not, it's not anything that would, uh, not be, but you know, PG or whatever your product was at the time. I don't even know how you do that. Right. But it, ha you know, and I guess because nobody ever contested it, you know what I mean? Right. But it seems like to me, it's not legal to do that. I don't know. What do you think? Some Erica for God's sakes. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, when you think about 
freedom of speech and all that. But at the same time, I guess if you're signing up to be on a TV show, I don't know. Maybe we need to ask Dawkins about that sometime. Let's talk about something we do know. We've got a hell of a show here. Our first match is Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville taking on Rusev, King Barrett, and Sheamus. And Stardust and the Ascension are sitting at ringside. They've got signs that says Stardust section to sort of spoof the Cesaro section. And they wind up actually playing no part in the match. But the match is really good. No surprise with this mix of talent here. They get 11 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville pick up the win. Three and a quarter stars. Cesaro gives him the the giant swing 16 times. Ziggler is going to uh, land a super kick. Neville's going to hit the red arrow. Everybody gets to show off their fancy finish. Some really, really talented guys here. You watched it for the first time in five years. What do you think? Well, you know, before the greed set in and every pay-per-view tried to be six or hours or whatever it was, you know, you would have one match usually on the pre-show. And this, you know, was a hodgepodge of some, some very talented guys. It, it, you know, for the fans, they really lucked out. And uh, Siegler knew his role. He made everybody in the match look like a monster, every one of his opponents. He sold his ass off. But the highlight of the entire match is when Cesaro, who nobody seems to think is a star maybe except me and the audience, uh, went on a rant. When he got that hot tag and came in, he was hitting those European uppercuts to everything that moved and walked. And the audience was all over it. I mean, for, he was hitting them on the floor, hit, hitting them in the ring, and he put, just put on a display, and it was a classic example of a guy that had something over, and those lifters, those uppercuts were over, and he saved them for the right spot, and he creamed everybody with them. And it was very exciting for the arena. You know, all the guys were popping in the back. I know I was. It was it was a masterpiece. A very good show. Go out of your way to see this match. Um, it is weird though, to see that you've got Cody Rhodes sitting ringside, not doing a darn thing. How weird is it to go back and see Cody as stardust now? Well, they couldn't figure out anything for him to do that falls in creatives lap. That's all you could figure out to create a buzz, put him in the Ascension sitting in the crowd. And with no involvement at all, just maybe a cutaway or at the most, I would suspect two. That's about it. It just, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those mysteries, but maybe it was the way it was supposed to be. It all worked out. It all worked out. Next up, we've got John Cena doing his U S title open challenge. It's been a program that's going for several months at this point. And, uh, it's even been a fun TV segment, but. Today is the end of that open challenge because, well, when John makes the open challenge and of course, fans are having fun singing John Cena sucks to his own theme song, Cena brings up the open challenge and all of a sudden here comes Zeb Coulter out on a motorized wheelchair, the former Dutch man tell, and he's going to introduce the man he represents and no, it's not Jake Hager. It's not Jack Swagger. It is indeed our returning Del Rio who gets a huge pop 
Meltzer would note that he looks a lot bigger and more muscular than before. And, uh, they're all over the place, man. This is a fun return. Fans are all over it. They're booing the Cena comeback. Del Rio gets the pin out of nowhere with the backstabber and the super kick. And we have on his, on his return, a new United States champion, Alberto Del Rio wins. And I kind of love the, the idea of the open challenge segment. I was sad to see it end, but if you're going to end it, ending it with a, a guy returning and a title change, well, that's about as cool of a way to do it. What'd you think of the, uh, the way this was programmed and, uh, Del Rio coming back? I loved it. I loved it. All kind of, uh, interesting twists. Now, number one, there's a huge Hispanic population, you know, in LA. So Alberto showing up and it didn't make, it didn't get out. It didn't make any of the sheets. It wasn't, you know, in any of the newspapers, it was, it was a surprise and people love to be surprised. That's why I hate it when we just, you know, give everything away. You know, because people, that's why they tune in. They want to be surprised. Yeah. And and that was a surprise upon it. And having Zeb Coulter, who is a pseudo maybe behind the sheet, behind the scenes, under the sheets, racist a little bit was the character. To have him with Alberto, who is not an American or an American citizen, made right away for interesting, hmm, what ifs, hmm, what ifs. And it just was such an odd situation, but successful, and to his credit, John did it the right way. You know, if you're going to put a guy over, put him over, and he did. And I think the whole thing was a huge success. I was a fan of the Del Rio character. Glad to see him come back here. What'd you think of the pairing though, of him and Zeb Coulter that felt a little, I mean, listen, I love Dutch. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love for us to do some stuff with Dutch one day. Cause I think he's a hell of a storyteller and God, he's been everywhere. He's forgotten more about wrestling than most of us listening to this show will know me included, but I don't know about this pairing. Feels a little weird. Let's say you, well, number one, Zeb has the hairiest back that has ever graced the earth. He has got a, uh, the indoor record for a mustache. Plus he's smart and funny and very intelligent where the business goes. He has seen the evolution. He can explain it to you. He can bring back, you know, things from old school and plug them into new school. That's what I thought was so interesting here. This guy is it, 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 on the surface, you think you got just some, you know, Southern redneck that doesn't like anybody that wasn't born here, uh, anybody that wasn't, that doesn't fly the American flag and all those type things, you know, and uh, here you have, you know, your Mexican hero, and it felt like strange bedfellows, and it just opened up a lot of food for thought, for me anyway. The, uh, the two top guys of the, of the whole company in 2020 are facing off next here in hell in a cell. It's the big dog versus Bray Wyatt. This is sort of the pre fiend edition. And here's sort of the backstory of how we got here. 
At Battleground, Bray Wyatt defeated Roman Reigns with a little bit of help from Luke Harper. At SummerSlam, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose would defeat Wyatt and Harper. At Night of Champions, Wyatt, Harper, and Strowman would beat Reigns, Ambrose, and Jericho. On the September 21st episode of Raw, Randy Orton would help Roman Reigns and Ambrose, Ambrose, easy for me to say, fend off an attack from Wyatt, Harper, and Strowman. And subsequently, Reigns would challenge Wyatt to a Hell in a Cell match. And Wyatt accepts. So here we are. They get 23 minutes in a Hell in a Cell. Meltzer would say that they work this at a 70 style pace, which is very slow, but they're doing this to try to make everything mean something. What a nice idea. Uh, Meltzer would say the moves were all modern, but it was just slow by modern standards. We've got some kendo sticks being used here. And, uh, the crowd is really into that. They're really trying to build the sympathy. I thought the match was pretty good. Meltzer thought the crowd didn't get into it until late in the match. Three and a quarter stars. What'd you think? I mean, the kendo sticks, the sister Abigail's and, uh, eventually we, we see, uh, Wyatt get thrown into an exposed stick in the corner with the idea being that it hit him in the eye and that allows Roman to hit the spear and the pin. I like these guys work here. It is a little weird to see a hell in a cell, the third match on the show. But other than that, I thought it was fun. what do you think? Well, um, um, as you know, I'm not a fan of having more than one hell in the cells because, you know, they should be for, uh, secluded for the hottest angle, the most vicious, tight match that there is, uh, all the violence should be as top shelf as allowed, um, and within reason. So you don't get a couple of guys crippled, but it should be at a different level. But this is one of those times where both matches kind of had earned it. Right. And so it felt good to me that you had to, and they were going to be stylistically totally different anyway. And the one thing they did is, you know, some people may think it was a slow pace, but you look at guys, their size and strength and athleticism, you hit each other in the teeth with a, you know, with a kendo stick or hit somebody in the back with a chair a dozen times. Those are still chairs. You're not going to be up moving too quickly as that progression develops, you know, you should be getting weaker instead of stronger. And they made it a hell in the cell top end, top shelf violence match. And, uh, they took their time and they sold everything. And when it was said and done, Roman had earned, you know, a victory and, but it, he got his ass handed to him for 20 minutes beforehand. And I saw the Wyatts and the shield, you know, and, uh, different combinations with, a another guy in the match like Jericho or Randy or some, all different combinations. And it was just really good and really creative. And they just mashed and, you know, Bray and Roman on this night, they brought it. And I think everybody felt it and everybody enjoyed it. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. 
She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. I, I really dug it. Uh, I thought the work was good, but it does feel like a lot of fans were disappointed here. I think they were ready for Bray Wyatt to get the monster push. They wanted him to go over and become, you know, sort of the tippy top guy. And we know that that would happen years later. Do you think they, they made Bray wait too long or, or was, could this have been the right time to go with him? Well, being a guy that, you know, I'm opinionated, but I have personal likes and dislikes, just like we all do. Uh, I always thought <clears throat> that Bray Wyatt, who had the most creative of characters, yep. that he came up with it. It was a part of him deep down that lived in him. That's the reason he was able to pull it off. So he had, it wasn't him playing a character. It was just a sliver of the real him amped up. And that's always the characters that get over. I felt like he had a firm grip on it. He was a big physical guy on top of that. But you got to win the big ones, Conrad. You have to win the pay-per-views. Yeah. And he went on a string of just, you know, whoever's bright idea thought it was, well, this guy's, you know, that character's over and he's doing a great job and he's a heel and you can beat him every pay-per-view. No, you can't. You should have been shoving him every pay-per-view and have that guy waiting at the end of the rainbow if it was going to be a Roman Reigns to pay it off with, but you got to go back and look at those records. And it was like, I know that he went like, Oh, and Oh, and six or Oh, and eight at some time, at some point, something ridiculous. Uh, but you got to win. You got to win the big one. It feels like, you know, sometimes on something to wrestle, we would have conversations about guys like the undertaker or guys like Jake Roberts who had these, really incredible gimmicks for lack of a better word. And he would always say something like, oh, they didn't need a belt because their character was going to be sort of bulletproof regardless of wins and losses. And that does say a lot about your character development and how good you are at doing that with the connecting with the audience and creating a character that resonates with them. But at the same time, it can almost be a curse because it feels like that's the way that 
that's the same type of brush that Bray was painted with where they got a lot of losses on him to your point. I mean, I, I, I remember that zero and eight stretch where you just know, oh, Bray's on pay-per-view. Well, he's losing, but I just, uh, you know, how does this, who's in his ear? Who's talking to the man behind the character about, Hey, this is a sort of the worst backhanded compliment you could ever get. So don't take it as a negative. Is it, it, does he get sort of in his own head about his positioning on the card when he loses over and over and over, or is that just not who he is? Well, you get to a point where you have to start thinking about it. And, you know, and the fact that if you go back and you can go back just about and pull every one of those matches when he started that losing streak, you know, and get some cutaways to the audience, get some reactions from the audience during the body of the match, and then get your reaction you know, when the, when the finish went down and each time that he got beat, it was diminished and it went down and it wasn't a big victory when Bray Wyatt, when beating Bray Wyatt was not a big victory for one of our baby faces, you had to sit back in your chair and go, damn, I didn't think it's possible, but they've killed this guy off. Right. And you're talking about a horrible horrible crime a 300 plus pound guy that can move like that with a gimmick like that and an entertainment just a creepy scary uh crew around him i mean big red and harper come on you're telling me with those three guys in the in the zip code that you couldn't figure out a way to not beat bray that many times i mean you got a fail safe. You got monsters wandering around everywhere. And if that continues to be the reason that he doesn't get beat and they leave people laying every pay-per-view for eight weeks instead of beating Bray for eight weeks, hmm, you might have some hot heels. Let me ask, do you think Vince McMahon, um, well, I don't know how to phrase it. Do you know how, do you think Vince McMahon gets the Bray Wyatt character or does everybody around him have to just sell him on it? Because I, I, this doesn't feel like something that's in Vince's wheelhouse. Oh, I don't, I have no idea. You're asking, you're asking a, an unknown that maybe doesn't have an answer. I know the audience got it. Yeah. And. And I know every single night in every house show, whether he was in the middle of his losses or his first loss or his last loss, it didn't matter. When those lights went out on the entrance and the music started, everybody in that arena had their cell phone light on. Now, if they didn't care, and I didn't look at that as being a a baby face thing. It was a crowd participation thing because they loved his entrance. You know, they loved the character and it was like a concert deal. Yeah. You know, when, when people go to the trouble collectively, thousands of them to have their cell phone light on, they give a shit. So if you're in creative comrade, guess what? Pay attention to that. Yeah. You should give a shit too. Let's talk about our next match. It's going to be one, uh, that people look at in the future. I'm sure, because you've got two bona fide hall of fame tag teams here. Well, one of them's already there. It's the returning Dudleys 
and they actually picked up a win at night of champions over new day, but it was by DQ. So there's no tag title switch. Now we get a rematch here on the way here though. We managed to put Xavier woods through a table on raw. So we're going to work that as an injury angle. He's not here in reality. Xavier is off to get married. Uh, but here we come. New day is coming out with a broken trombone, uh, sort of symbolic of their fallen brother. And, uh, they're going to call Bubba Ray, the Caucasian Kamala and start running around, patting their bellies and the crowds chanting new day rocks. And they get going in the match. And at one point, uh, Bubba can't help himself. He does the Kamala belly pat, but you know, what's coming new day retains eight minutes, 24 seconds. Kingston nails that, uh, trouble in paradise. And that's all she wrote. I got to tell you. I know in hindsight, a lot of people would look at this as just a throwaway segment, but I love the Dudleys and I thought it was so cool to see them come back and work with a modern tag team. Even if it was, you know, even placement on this card, maybe in the popcorn match spot, this is such a loaded card that it almost feels like a SummerSlam more than a hell in a cell. And to see them working with new day was fun for me. What'd you think? Well, it was a chance to let the audience up and take a breath. You know, the Dudleys were established. People liked them. It was, uh, you know, it was a nice seeing a blast from the past with the new guys. You know, the problem was at this at this point in time is the New Day were already starting to turn the audience in their favor. You know, they were so entertaining. They really weren't heels. Uh, but, you know, in this particular situation, Bubba and Devon played along with the whole gag with the Kamala thing. And it was just a chance to, okay, there's going to be a lot of violence tonight. I know that let's take a breath. Let's take a pause. Let's enjoy this. And, uh, they enjoyed seeing the Dudleys. It was a nice surprise for the, for the crowd and a nice treat. I won't say surprise. I will say a nice treat. It was a nice treat. Next up. We're leveling up women's wrestling. 2015 was all about that. I guess we should give you sort of the backstory. We're in the middle of the divas revolution, which I think happened. It really started to take shape after a 32nd match on raw on February 23rd, people went online and started using the hashtag give divas a chance. Uh, fast forward on July 13th, Nikki would claim there's no challengers for her championship outcome. Stephanie McMahon. And she introduces Charlotte Flair. Well, she's not Flair at the time. Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha Banks. And uh, we've got a whole little group now. Team PCB with Paige sort of leading the group. Very briefly, they called themselves the Submission Sorority. Somebody threw that in their Google machine and realized, wait a minute, that is an adult film reference. Maybe we should just go with Team PCB instead. Fast forward, these ladies become more, uh, cemented on the main roster, including on September 20th, at night of champions, Nikki loses her championship to Charlotte ending her reign at 301 days. And wouldn't you know it, that's just uh, long enough to make sure that AJ Lee is no longer the record holder since she and her husband, CM Punk are no longer with the company. And tonight is the rematch from night of champions. It's Charlotte and Nikki Bella. I get 10 minutes and 39 seconds. All the women were banned from ringside. Meltzer would say it was the best WWE women's match on a pay-per-view in quite a while. And that Nikki pretty much carried the action beating Charlotte down early. 
Of course, you know, the story, eventually Charlotte's going to pick up the win 10 minutes, 39 seconds. Um, Nikki gives uh, Charlotte an Alabama slam to the ring frame, which couldn't have been fun. And then Nikki's setting up that rack attack, but Charlotte reverses it into a cradle locks in the figure eight. And that's all she wrote. She wins by submission. And after the match, Paige and Becky come out to congratulate Charlotte and Paige shoves Lynch away. So she can congratulate her first three and a quarter stars. You and I have had a lot of fun talking about how people slept on Nikki Bella. We thought that she had a great in-ring presence. Her forearms were legit. She looked like a legitimate athlete. Her stuff looked good. I really enjoyed her work and I enjoyed this match. And we know that, you know, through a series of matches here at night of champions. And again, here she's helping make Charlotte in a big way. What'd you think of this match? Well, you know, I feel about, you know, the Bellas and I think they were underrated. Certainly, uh, in this particular match, Nikki knew what she had to do. And I think, you know, to be perfectly fair with your John Cena's girlfriend, the first thing, and I know the mind of the talent, uh, she's getting, uh, she's getting preferential treatment. She's getting a push because she's John's girlfriend. There's all those things that you can say about her other than just look at the fact that she looks like a star. She works like a star. She is a star. And it was a passing of the torch that night. You know, Nikki was was one of your hottest commodities. And here you've got these three ladies. you got Charlotte and Becky and Sasha who are something special. You know, when the business all shakes out at the end of the day, 50 years from now, and they break open the capsule, they're go- you're going to say, well, that's three of the special ones. And, you know, they were coming on the scene. They were fixing to make a huge splash, help make a huge splash. Let me put it that way. And I thought this match went a long way, not by having anyone get involved in it. It was a good contest. It was a good fight. And at the end of the day, Charlotte earned the win, but she had to earn it. And that's what our audience demands of our talent. They're okay to see you get a push as long as you earn it. It shouldn't be a gift. It shouldn't be something because you're somebody's girlfriend or somebody's boyfriend or whatever the deal is. It should just be the fact that you earned your way up. You've got talent. And on this given night, you had a changing of the guard. It's a little confusing why Paige was down there to me. That just didn't really fit story-wise. But, you know, in the long run, it didn't hurt anything. I just don't know that it helped anything. All right, so listen up. We all know 2020 is a little nuts, but that doesn't mean you should disregard your nuts, no matter what size or shape they're in. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news! They've released all their products in the UK, Canada, and even Australia. And here's the deal. If you're looking to bring the thunder from down under, it's all about the presentation. If you don't have the right tools and you find yourself sort of slapping at it, well, you're going to cause yourself to uh, be covered in a crimson mask, I think is the phrase. Uh, I want to remind you too, they've also released the crop care kit. No, it's not for farmers, but it is, you know, something to do with your roots you're trying to grow. 
This crop care kit is a formulation bundle to give you A-plus balls. It really is the ultimate male hygiene hack. The crop care kit includes the crop preserver, which is ball deodorant, and that pretty much speaks for itself. What about the old crop reviver, which is a ball toner? It's a spray-on toner that gives your balls a little slice of heaven with a little aloe vera and some hazel extracts. The crop cleanser is a body wash. In fact, it's a full body wash you can even use on your hair. But my favorite, the crop mop. These are ball wipes, y'all. You never know when an opportunity strikes, and this way you can always be prepared. And the gift that keeps on giving, here's your free gift. It's the foot duster foot deodorant designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh. Now let's not forget about why we're all here. It's the best trimmer for your butt, your balls, and your body. Of course, it's the Lawnmower 3.0. It's got a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce those grooming accidents. And of course, that waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower for up to 90 minutes. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know your manhood is in good hands. In fact, you're probably playing with your balls right now, so you might as well invest in the crop care kit and make those balls elite. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use our promo code ARN. And if you care for those beautiful balls of yours, all you have to do is go to their site, hit a few buttons on your phone, and you will change your life for the better. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code ARN and add some swag to your old saggy bag at manscaped.com. Next up, we've got a match for the WWE Championship. At the night of the champion show, we saw Kane return from his injury, and he's back here as Demon Kane. He's going to attack Seth Rollins after Rollins retained the belt against Sting. At the network special live from Madison Square Garden, Demon Kane would attack Seth Rollins after Rollins lost to John Cena in a steel cage. And subsequently, Rollins was scheduled to defend his title tonight against Demon Kane. And the step is should Demon Kane lose, Corporate Kane, Kane's alter ego, would be fired from his role as director of operations. Kane's got a new mask here. They're going to go 14 minutes and 36 seconds. Seth Rollins gets the win. And, uh, they try to do a little table spot on the Spanish announce table, but it doesn't break. And, uh, they tease a count out, but Kane gets in at nine Rollins then uses two springboard knees and two super kicks followed by a frog splash, but Kane kicks out. Kane comes back, goes for a choke slam. And then Rollins kicks him in the chest and hits the pedigree for the pin three and a half stars. I liked corporate Kane. I liked this. Switching back and forth. It was, uh, as Bruce likes to say, a fresh paint of coat, not a fresh coat of paint, but a fresh paint of coat for Kane, you know, for a character that's been around that long to still be showing sort of different facets of the character. I thought was pretty cool. what do you think of this match? 14 minutes, 36 seconds. Seth retains. Well, I, I wasn't a fan of corporate Kane, so I'll have to beg to differ. Uh, with you and Bruce on this one, just because when you've been made a monster uh, to the degree that Kane had over the years and the performance that he was able to give as a six foot, whatever he is, seven, 310 pound guy to go out and perform at the level he does, he's something special. I don't think you can float between being a suit and being a monster. It's a little bit out of my stretch of, of believability. Plus, 
when you got Kane out there doing physical things and fighting in a nice suit and he Kane dressed up really well. He looked corporate, looked like a monster part of the corporate, but you know, he looked good. But if you've ever had to fight in a suit, you're a little bound. It's going to take away a little bit of the, uh, uh, things that you can do physically. I just was not a fan of floating between the two. And the fact that we lost corporate Kane as a result of, uh, a victory by Seth. Well, it was like a blessing in disguise to me. <laughs> Next up, we've got the intercontinental title on the line and it's going to be uh, Kevin Owens and Ryback. Boy, you can tell Ryback is not well liked here. Uh, Kevin Owens retains in five and a half minutes. Ryback's going to try a press slam early, but couldn't lock him out. He also does a delayed suplex. Owens sets up a cannonball, but instead Ryback counters with a spine buster. The crowd is booing Ryback and cheering Owens, but everybody somehow gets into the feed me more chant. Ryback hits a power bomb. Owens kicks out. He uh, hits the clothesline and goes for the shell shock, but Owens escapes and then hits the pop-up power bomb out of nowhere. And, uh, Meltzer would write Ryback sold the eye. Like it had been poked too short star in three quarters. I, I can't wrap my head around this. I like both of these guys. I think they're both great performers. Uh, I, I thought Ryback had a good look and a good gimmick. And once upon a time, he was one of the hotter stars in the company and but like the company, just as you likes to say, put his water off too soon. I, but this pop-up power bomb at this point, thanks to John Cena, that's a made move. I guess I'm cool with, uh, with Kevin winning from it, but it feels like we needed a little more time here. Five and a half minutes. what do you think? Well, was it this return? I think this was a return from a previous pay-per-view, right? Same, same match. And I think the, the, the big mistake was they did the exact same finish poking the eye pop up power bomb, which is not good. You could probably just figure out a way to get to the power bomb without having to poke him in the eye, but it just felt redundant to me. It just, and again, you got to go back and look at, you know, again, I go back and point out Kevin Owens debut. He debuted with John Cena. The babyface reaction, and it was basically a small group that knew him from the Indies and knew him from NXT or whatever the case was prior to coming to the main roster, but he had a bit of a following. And then when the the main audience saw the things, I mean, he's a bumblebee. He shouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that he does athletically. And I mean, he does some things that are just incredible. He should have been a baby face the very next morning. You, some things should have changed and what they were thinking about. So, you know, Kevin going into this thing, he's not a heel, which makes it difficult on Ryback. Ryback had gotten really hot with the merchandise sales and with starting to get hot with the audience, you know, the feed me more thing was starting to catch fire and, and he did get his water cut off and I'm not sure why just didn't seem like a good business move at the time. Um, but again, that was closed door meetings, something I didn't, uh, wasn't privy to. I was just there to help, you know, the guys on the, on their matches and day to day things. But 
it just felt like guys were in the wrong position. It, it should have been Kevin the baby face and, you know, uh, maybe Ryback should have been the heel or you had a different heel or whatever the case may be. Uh, but if they reacted properly on the finish, that is your goal. And if you achieve that, you won. Let's talk about our main event. This is going to be a big one. Of course, uh, undertaker and Brock actually had a hell in a cell 13 years prior to this. No mercy in October of 2002. And of course they had a feud in the early two thousands on SmackDown and did a little face off in the UFC when undertaker was just in the crowd as a spectator at a Brock Lesnar match. But the big story is WrestleMania 30 Brock Lesnar defeated the undertaker and ended the streak. No one saw it coming. Fast forward to battleground 2015 Brock is about to defeat Seth Rollins for the world title, but the lights go out and there's the undertaker and he attacks Brock Lesnar. They have a vicious brawl on raw that requires literally everyone to separate them. They have a rematch at SummerSlam. undertaker beats Lesnar, but in controversial fashion, the timekeeper ringing the bell after seeing the undertaker supposedly indicating submission since the referee hadn't seen a submission, never stopped the match. And it continues the confusion allowed undertaker to surprise Lesnar with a low blow and trap him in the hell's gate submission hold causing Lesnar to pass out and giving the undertaker the win. So undertaker wins at SummerSlam, but Brock had the win at WrestleMania. This is the rubber match, the trilogy, the blow off, and they get plenty of time, 18 minutes and one second. Lesnar gets the win. Meltzer would say that Lesnar looked enormous, but undertaker physically didn't look in nearly as good a shape as he did for SummerSlam. There's dueling chance from the crowd for suplex city and undertaker. Nobody wants to boo either guy. I think they really see that this is a big time main event and, and they recognize both of these guys are, are, are big stars. It's got super heat far beyond anything else on the show, according to Meltzer and Lesnar is going to bleed very early after being thrown into a post and they even open the door to let the doctor get in and he starts wiping the blood off of Lesnar's face and head. And it's just going everywhere. Quite the spectacle here. They pull out all the stops. If you're going to watch one match from this show, you should watch this one. The idea here is they're even going to remove Lesnar's going to undo the canvas, remove some of the padding and the undertaker choke slams him right on the boards underneath the ring. He's going to go for a pile driver. And, uh, Lesnar is going to kick out, use a low blow from the, uh, the times that undertaker has given him a low blow, but he hits the F five on the exposed boards. And that's all she wrote. Undertaker is down for a long, long time. And the fans are there with him chanting. Thank you. Taker. He gets a standing ovation four and a quarter stars in hindsight. You had to wonder. Was Undertaker thinking this might have been his last match in this era? He wasn't working often. And whenever he had a big match like this, you maybe wondered, is this the last time we'll see him? This has got to be one of his finest performances on the last leg of his uh, career. What'd you think watching this main event from 2015? Jaw on the ground, awestruck, uh, respectful almost remorseful that, uh, I knew his body was not in 
in any condition to be putting it through what he did, but he's such a professional. He has such a showman. He has so much respect for the business. You know, Hell in the Cell with Brock Lesnar is a nightmare in anybody's book. You know, it's like a you somebody rings your doorbell, you think it's a UPS guy, you open the door and there's a giant alligator coming in your front door. It's horror and it's at its at its peak. And uh they took their time, they upped the violence, they made it a hell in the cell and what a hell in the cell should be every time. And if you can't produce that quality, don't have a hell in the cell. And if you don't have one for two or three years, fine. And, you know, it was one of those things that you knew Taker was hurting. He wasn't going to let anybody else know that. And uh, those guys, you know, Brock Lesnar was a lot more qualified, savvy uh, performer this time around than he was back in 02, obviously, when he was first starting. And uh, he was a lot more seasoned. You know, his timing was better. He has a lot of respect for Taker. I know that. Taker respects Brock as well. And it was just, it was one of those that at the end of the night, it certainly paid dividends. Oh, Arn, I forgot to tell you, you, um, you told the story, gosh, probably last year now, where we were talking about your injury and when you had to have surgery, uh, I guess it was 97 and, um, you talked about the pain being so unbearable that you, you wanted a gun and you told Aaron, get our money guy up here. And we got a lot of tweets about that. And, uh, people were saying, Hey, what is a money guy? Well, that's somebody who's gonna, you know, help ensure your investments and align them with your goals. And, you know, not everybody is the same way. And so you had a money guy early on. And I have to admit that, uh, a lot of my friends didn't have a money guy. And then I realized I'm actually friends with one. And I just wanted to share a success story. It was motivated from your story last year where you know, you made that sort of reference to, oh, we need a money guy. We got a money guy in our little group over in, uh, on adfreeshows.com, Lenny Bakken. And what's cool is, you know, the world has gotten a lot smaller this last year because everybody's staying home and, and they're doing everything virtually. So it didn't matter when, when one of our top guys needed a little bit of help that Lenny was in Wisconsin, because these days Lenny can be everywhere. Thanks to zoom and just, you know, we're in a digital age. Anyway, he has, he was a tremendous help. And I just wanted to, uh, let you know that you're doing some good here, Arn, on the show and giving everybody some pro tips, have a money guy. Uh, so Lenny Bakken over at Edward Jones in Wisconsin, he was the dude. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's pretty cool to see that it worked out by the way, I'm Twitter friends with Lenny and I think I'm actually on his, uh, Eric, I think's on his profile picture and, and me and, and him and Bruce are like the header, uh, interact with Lenny. If you've got any questions, it's at L E N N Y B A K K E N. By the way, this is not an ad. I'm just advocating for a friend here who I know was inspired to get a money guy based on hearing your advice here on the show. Anyway, check him out. If you've got any questions, if you're looking for a money guy, uh, do what some of our top guys have done. And I think Bruce, I think he's even Bruce's money guy. Uh, but I just wanted to put a feather in your cap today, Aaron, because I know that, you know, the importance of having a money guy. 
think, let me see if I can Google him here on Twitter at Lenny Bakken, L E N N Y B A K K E N. Just a good dude, wrestling fan like me and you. And uh, if you want to pick his brain and take some of Arn Anderson's advice, can't recommend it enough. Let's talk about the, the blood stoppage or well, it's not a stoppage, but it wasn't part of the original plan. Meltzer would write while Lesnar was bleeding badly. There was commotion at the gorilla position with Vince McMahon, whether he was upset or putting on a show and acting upset for everyone else is a matter of conjecture, but he's the one who sent a doctor to the ring. The doctor was in there and tried to clean the blood off. But at one point, Lesnar shoved the doctor, neither Lesnar nor undertaker were reprimanded or talked to by Vince McMahon or anyone about these incidents after the show, Lesnar had his cut taken care of and flew back home. Undertaker also flew home the next day. We're going to talk about the angle that happened after the match, but this whole blood situation and, you know, Meltzer's not sure what to believe here was this. I mean, it feels like it was a legitimate cut and that Vince was concerned, but then, you know, there is the, well, he shoved the doctor. So maybe they're just working. What say you? Well, combination of both. If you go back and look, that's where Lesnar almost cut the post in half. (laughs) I would hope if there's any blood mixed in with the ice water that's in his veins, that you would have probably saw some of that cause man, he hit that post on the dead fly. No, you know, no trying to protect himself, no hands up to block some of that. He just ran through the post and, uh, he was split wide open and he was bleeding. And, uh, the shoving the doctor was just something he felt at the time. It's just part of his DNA makeup. If I would have been the doctor, that would have been plenty for me. I would have found the exit to the door. Uh, but, but no, he, uh, you know, once it was established, you know, people are going to get split open. People get hurt in this business. People get injured. That's the one part that drives all of us that, that have wrestled night after night after night and gotten hurt and got split open and, you know, all these injuries and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a rough, rough, rough way to make a living. And these guys, when you take it to the level they did, you know, the fact that somebody got split open, it's really not surprising. It's, uh, it's quite the spectacle. Go out of your way to watch it. What you'll see is at the end of the show, after the, the noise has peaked, the lights go out, the Wyatt's come out, they surround the undertaker. Then they all attack him. They hold him down while Braun Strowman throws knees and Wyatt beats on him until they uh, carry him out of the ring on their shoulders. It's a great angle. And the next night on raw Bray Wyatt would explain that he wanted to claim the undertaker's soul and obtain its powers. Of course, Kane then tries to attack Wyatt, but gets ambushed and attacked by the Wyatt family. We know what's coming. It's going to be the Wyatts versus the brothers of destruction at survivor series. And yeah, it sucks that we saw Bray lose here, but you're programmed right away with Kane and the undertaker. Maybe he'll be okay. Uh, the company would address this whole bleeding situation. I want to put a bow on that. Meltzer would write WB sent out a statement after the show, basically saying the practice of blading is banned, but sometimes there are accidental cuts. And, uh, Meltzer says what I can say with 100% certainty is that the blood was not an accident. 
the coincidence of Lesnar doing it in the exact same spot and coming up bloody in the exact same way as in WrestleMania was not coincidental. Whether he hit the post and opened up his head or he cut himself, it was his intent to get blood. The idea that he took his right glove off and drilled the undertaker meant the same thing. The question there is that typically when someone is looking to get hard way juice, a practice that went out of vogue in wrestling decades ago, the idea was short punches to the eyebrow where the skin and bone make it easiest to open up. The undertaker bled from the forehead, the same spot where wrestlers would normally cut themselves. You know, listen, this is a little silly to me. I can't believe we're even having this type of conversation and I'm sure it makes you as an old school guy, very uncomfortable, but God Damati, if I had to choose between taking real punches to the head to bleed or just doing it the quote unquote old fashioned way, that's a no brainer. One could legitimately cause real injury and damage and repercussions. And once upon a time in the business, it was, you know, Thursday, uh, tell me what you think about this hard way on perp. I don't get it. Hard way on purpose. What? Well, I'll put it to you as somebody that knows he didn't have the option of old fashioned of, yeah. of the old way. Okay. Yeah. That, that got Dave Batista a huge fine. I think 50 grand or something. Ask him about that. And, uh, the reality is this. Back in the day when you were, we were performing magic and we were making everyone wonder if what they were seeing was real. Are these guys really pissed at each other? I know it's a show, but are they pissed? Hard way was one way that you convinced the audience, yeah, they're having a hell of a fight. And just like techniques, you can ask any boxer out there, hey, if I, if you just solely want to knock a guy's eye shut, how would you do it? And I'm sure he could tell you. Uh, the reality is you can, there's a sharp bone that circuses your, it's, it, it circles your orbital bone that if you hit somebody really hard, the skin, you can feel it yourself, feel your eyebrow underneath. There's a sharp bone right there. And if you hit in a downward motion, it will split somebody's eye. Now, if you find that to be gruesome, you're right. You find that to be violent, you're right. And if it's somebody that don't know what they're doing and they're put, knocking the piss out of you everywhere but where that sharp bone, then you're going to get your eyes knocked shut anyway, and it's going to be really, really painful but it is a way of producing the gore that is necessary in some matches. And it is a hard way. And that's why it's called a hard way because it hurts and it, you, you have to be a professional at it to be successful at getting it done without doing potentially a lot of damage. I mean, that's, that's the eye area. Do I need to say any more? No. I know this sounds too good to be true, but let me tell you, savewithconrad.com can really change your life. And don't just take my word for it. Ask Lawrence in California. He just saved a boatload of cash. How much? More than $200,000. You heard me. $200,000. Lawrence was so thrilled, he gave us a five-star review and he had this to say. What made our experience great was how Derek provided us with multiple options and communicated with us. 
Anytime we had questions, he would text or email a response within minutes. We also contacted other lenders, but they were all hell bent on offering us a 30 year option only. With SaveWithConrad.com, we were able to lock in a lower rate for 20 years, thus setting up to finish paying our house off before we retire. And in the process, we'll save more than $200,000. How much money can you save? Find out right now for free before it's too late. We don't know how long these rates will last, but if you're not careful, your mortgage will last for 30 years. And friends don't let friends, not when rates are this low, keep roughly the same payment or even a cheaper payment, but cut years off of your loan? You've got to be kidding me. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com right now. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket? In fact, if you hurry, you can skip your next two payments, which means no payments until next year at SaveWithConrad.com. What a show. Go out of your way to watch this one. I think it's one of the more, uh, you know, listen, I understand as time goes on, people always want to gravitate and talk about Royal Rumbles and Summer Slams and WrestleManias. But my goodness, Hell in a Cell 2015 was one hell of a show, especially this main event. Let's uh, let's do some questions. We got tons of them. We can't get to all of them. Let's just do a few. By the way, we will be back next week uh, here on AdFreeShows.com early and often. That's what we're doing. Uh, but next week it's uh, hashtag Ask Arn Anything. You already knew that. Every other week you get to pick Arn's brain, and next week is no exception. If you have a question for us, it's easy to participate. Just find our Twitter account at the Arn show and adfreeshows.com has got lots of fun stuff last month or two months ago. Now, I guess we watched Arn's last major pay-per-view match, Halloween Havoc 96 last month, Arn, we watched chamber of horrors 91 and we got to see some deep fried Abdul the butcher. That was some silly shit, but later this month, Starcade 87, it's going to be a good show. If you haven't already join us over at adfreeshows.com. Let's jump into some questions about this show though. Hell in a cell 2015 and we'll wrap it up. Jeremy wants to know, why do you think the company didn't turn Roman heel way sooner? He's a heel now. And I absolutely love it. It's getting positive reactions. Do you think they see it now and maybe wish they'd done it sooner? Can I backtrack and just have one comment on, uh, the, the main event of the hell in a cell. Oh, please do before we move forward, because you know, I catch myself, you know, coming across as a bitter Monday morning quarterback and, uh, you know, having negative comments. I do not want the WWE to not be successful. And on that given night, they did something that Vince for years and years was famous for. They came out of that pay-per-view with a huge victory for Brock Lesnar and a brand new angle for Bray Wyatt and the Wyatts and the undertaker. So they came out of that with a brand new angle and they were the company wise, they were stronger than when they went in. It was a grand slam. I thought that show all the talent, everyone that produced it, everybody in the truck did an incredible job. And that was one of those shows that if you want to hold up and, and have your banners and streamers and confetti fall and go, this is what they do. That would be a good show. I don't want to come across as, as some bitter guy that has a vendetta. I do not. 
we get caught up in Monday morning Monday morning quarterbacking a lot of things. I just want everyone to 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 be certain. I want to see every wrestling company, independent and all the way to the top, flourish uh, and do well and provide jobs for a lot of people that want to make a living in this wonderful industry. And I want the fans to have all kind of options that they can either choose to look at or not. Um, and I just wanted to finish with that kudos to everybody. That was a great effort. Really a remarkable show. Uh, the question about Roman though, what do you think? I mean, listen, I, I think it's one of those deals where I think the company would take the approach that, Hey, the heel turn for Roman is working best now because we made you wait for it. What do you think? Did they wait too long? Well, yeah. When you're having them, when you're writing promos for him and you're having a guy like Roman reigns, the beast that he is and the intelligent guy that he is, uh, the athlete that he is, the accomplished worker that he is saying stupid shit, like suffering succotash. I think there were a lot of mistakes made along the way. You have to recognize, and, and when you have a special talent come along, and it was clear to everybody, Roman was a star. He walked in the room. Every woman in the joint was turning their head. Every guy was going, Jesus Christ, who is that guy? You know, when you have somebody special like that, you have to have a goal and a game plan for him. And he should have stayed a heel from the days of the shield. And when they were first brought aboard as heels, you could have turned the other two guys. You should have singled Roman out, but as a heel and he could have stayed a heel all this time and have one turn at the proper time that mattered. Because when you flip flop, your personality and your characters and your quote heel or baby face, good guy or bad guy. So many times back and forth, people can't trust you. They can't trust a word you say on a promo because last week they loved you this week. They're saying, shut up. And it just, it diminishes your credibility. And when you have credibility with the audience, you're halfway there. And I think he should have stayed a heel, had one massive turn to turn him babyface, and now you got something. And I'll point to one guy that that is the shining example of that. Hulk Hogan was a babyface his entire career. When he turned that day and went NWO, it was the shot heard around the universe. And it inflamed the entire industry. Roman could have been the same. Uh, you could say better late than never, but if they, you know, people also argue Conrad, okay, it's not black hat or white hat. It's everything is shades of gray. Do you think that's great? Does anybody think that's brilliant? I don't, I want to know where a guy stands and what is, you know, what his motivations are. How does he feel about everything? So I can figure out if I like him or not. If he's gray, you're never going to get a direct answer. Captain Zach wants to know, do you think at this point in undertaker's career that he was seen as a legitimate threat to Brock, or do you think this match was booked more as a spectacle? I think on any day undertaker's a threat to anybody just because of the strength of character, his resume, 
who he is and the fact that he has uh, that supernatural flavor to the character itself, it allows you to suspend your disbelief. And when he could pull it off physically, nobody in the building questions that what they just saw wasn't so. Well, that's going to wrap us up here for Hell in a Cell 2015. If you're going to watch one match, go out of your way to watch that main event. It is a spectacle, to say the least. And next week, we're back at you with another hashtag Ask Arn Anything. You would have gotten all of these shows early and ad-free had you signed up over at adfreeshows.com. We're having such a fun time right now with all the new content we've rolled out, including there's going to be video of this podcast. Now, today's episode wasn't video, but one day very, very soon, you'll be able to choose between the video version or the audio version. And we're going to continue to bring you more than your money's worth every single week here at adfreeshows.com. If you've got a question for next week's show, it's easy. It's easy to ask. Just uh, go follow us on Twitter at the Arn show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. attention. Arn show fans. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for your exclusive chance to get a sneak peek of our upcoming episodes and some other bonus content you can't find anywhere else, but perhaps best of all, we've even got a lot of giveaways coming your way. It's all available right now for free. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button over at youtube.com forward slash the Arn show. And be sure to check out the shirts over at arnshirts.com. There are classic designs along with the inside jokes from the show, plus tons of gimmicks over at boxofgimmicks.com. Like now we offer kid and youth sizes in both shirts and hoodies. Both you and your kid can match while you're representing double a enforcer. There's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the Arn community. So one more time, check it out. Hit the subscribe button and the like button right now over at youtube.com forward slash the Arn show. And don't forget to check out all the swag over at boxofgimmicks.com and arnshirts.com. And if you're an advertiser who would like to hear Arn Anderson brag about your business here on the show, it's easy. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com right now. Be glad you did. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.